This is the Doing Good Through Food podcast, hosted by Alex Coffin. Join us as we explore all the ways food and the businesses that serve it can be a force for good in the world. Hi, everybody. Alex here. Welcome to Doing Good Through Food. The guests for today's episode are Alison Parks and Chiara Januse. Um, together, they're the co-founders of the Food Waste Project, which is a consultancy um, aimed at businesses and working to prevent and reduce food waste from catering operations within within those businesses. So that's a slightly different area for us on the podcast. We haven't spoken with with people working within uh, business catering before. Um, and have spoken more to operators than to consultants and other other people in the industry. So very interesting from that perspective. The conversation covers lots of ground. Um, Their whole focus is on preventing food waste at source, which is something they feel is is not focused on nearly enough or even at all um, in this environment, in workplace catering. All that most of the initiatives that they've seen focus much more on uh, recycling stuff that's already occurred and rather than actually preventing it from happening in the first place. So we really dive into what their approach is, how they help businesses to understand what they're wasting, first of all, and then to reduce their environmental impact, save money and so on. We recorded this episode nearly a month ago. The lockdown was just coming into effect and some of the discussion we have is about the what the effects of that might be um just that'll be clear as you get to that section of the interview that, uh, that things have moved on slightly since then but i really hope you enjoy it i'd love to hear what you think um a lot of the things that we talk about the measures um that they put in place for workplace catering might be applicable to you in your situation if that's not what you are involved in and certainly once you once you get back to work if you are if you working in an office environment there might be some of the things we talk about here that would make you think differently about how you use your catering services from this point on so let's just jump into it i hope you enjoyed the episode with alison and kiara from the food waste project uh alison kiara welcome to doing good through food thank, thank you. you very much for having us thank you for joining me in this uh slightly strange strange time we were all sort of bunkered down separately and isolated as is everybody else doing this remotely thank you for making the time to dial in and talk to me like this so i wanted to start really i think talking about your focus which is corporate offices it's an area that we we've not specifically talked about on the podcast i'm really interested to kind of talk around that i, I suppose my first question is why why is that the area that you've chosen to focus on? So um, I think basically we've both got quite a long background of working in catering and hospitality. And we ended up by chance working um, on a food waste reduction project at Linklaters, which is a international, internationally renowned law firm. And while we were there, we just kind of realised that we hear so much in the news about household food waste, retail, supply chain, um, and all that kind of thing. And yet no one has ever really talked about this 
non-consumer facing side of our um uh, well our business our economy and we realized that there's um almost like a hidden world of catering that goes on in all these big corporate offices they've got really extensive catering so they're, they're doing things that are client facing they've got staff food and it just it's almost available all day basically so we had a look into it and we just realized that this is something that nobody has really picked up on before and it's a really great opportunity to go to these companies that have got these environmental policies in place and to address something that perhaps they haven't looked at before because quite a lot of the time people don't really consider food waste when they're talking about their environmental operations and so that's kind of where where we started I think. It's also what we found is that because there's a large focus on hospitality so restaurants, bars, pubs uh, but actually as opposed to uh, restaurants and pubs uh, the environment of a company is actually kind of easier to control and then to educate the stakeholders within the company because every uh, recommendations the recommendation can then be part of the company culture. So it's actually a completely different approach that you might use in a restaurant, uh, but it's actually... I believe, easier to uh, kind of address because every recommendation is going to be then part of the culture of the company. Therefore, easier to manage, but actually people don't really look at that and they actually behave kind of differently when they consume food within the company as opposed to when they go out in restaurants and bars and pubs. But it's definitely a different, it's a very different environment from the high street. And I've, I have talked about this with people, um, you know, sort of in the industry before, not not as part of the podcast, but it's quite a challenging environment in a way. You've got a captive audience, you know, your workforce, and there's, I don't know about a, a need, but there's certainly a, a demand for, say, variety, you know, to sort of produce a range of different things to try and cater to a range of different tastes you know if particularly if you're in a big company like think Lators or however many thousand people that they're dealing with so I suppose you can see where the where waste creeps in you know trying trying to provide choice I think might be the one of the key things how do you how do you see it do you, do you think that's a big part of it or do you do you think it's more just not paying attention perhaps I think absolutely that's a big part of it I think what we tend to forget is that we, especially with the corporate offices that we're focusing on, we are in in London. You know, we've got food available every single road that you go on to. And so this company culture that's crept in over the last few years of really like giving your staff these amazing benefits, they are they are amazing. They are great. Don't get me wrong. But you then get this massive excess produced just to just to keep keep it new keep it exciting and interesting for people and we forget that actually we already have so much choice that just adding on to that is creating the problem with food waste in itself and then in terms of a lack of understanding we we know that there's a massive uh, lack of understanding and it comes from from all areas Uh, recently there's been some news 
studies published about the fact that most people don't know there's a link between food waste and climate change. So if people aren't aware of these things, if they're not aware of the consequences of their actions, then it is easy for people to think that it's not really a big deal and not something to focus on. And although we're targeting an area that is, according to RAP, probably about less than 15% of like the culprits for food waste, like every little every little bit has an impact. And I think if we can start to tackle it there in the workplace where people really do, I mean, they spend most of their lives there, if, if we're being honest. Not right now, but they do. Um, and so they can then take those things home and it, and it kind of is a way to get the message across from maybe a different angle. Also, the purpose that the food serve within a company environment, because sometimes it's not only to give uh, food to the, your staff, it also can be like a kind of background of uh, a meeting with clients. So not always is feeding your staff in the canteens sometimes it's due to the fact that you want to kind of display what the company has to offer to a potential client people because when you tackle canteens it's completely different to when you tackle kind of like hospitality where um the type of food that it's on offer is not being selected and asked by uh member of the staff but it's just there and, and yeah so that, that was also very interesting to find out in company i was really one of the things that you know we kind of in the emails back and forth before we before we started talking today we were talking about the scale of this um as an issue and you know how much waste there is in corporate dining generally um and i think you said earlier on i think it was Alison you said 15% or wrap estimate 15% of the entire food waste issue um you know which obviously is maybe 15% of the whole is not you know there might be bigger things but but this is such a huge issue 15% of it is is a big thing so i mean what what a how much waste do you think there really is um in this system yeah so i'll just clarify on that figure um wrap have accounted 85% of the food waste in the UK coming from household and retail and supply chains from food manufacturers. So within that 15%, we have all the things, all the companies and businesses that aren't in that 85%, obviously. Okay, yeah, understood. Corporate offices won't be the entire 15%, but they will be part of that. And I think the thing is what we saw in, in Linklaters, when you start to put percentages to these figures, you know, 85% is, is huge. It's, it's, it's something that we really, really have got to tackle. And 15% or even less might not even seem like an issue. But every little thing have, plays its role in, in the problem with food waste. And so... Yeah, in the grand scheme of things, it's probably not a huge part of the problem. But also there are, these companies have huge influence, you know, not just their staff and their clients, but we're talking about law firms and, and banks and financial institutions that people around the world like look to for advice and things like that. 
And so if they're setting an example, leading the way, then it could just be a lot more than than the 15% or less. It could really have a knock on and, and start to eat into that 85% as well. One of the things that, um, again, I think we said, I think was said over email was about food waste being like the new plastic. And um, in that there's, you know, you, you felt there's there's much more focus coming onto it. Um, and what I suppose I'm just interested to kind of discuss that a little bit more. And do you, I suppose, in the same way that plastic um, was certainly an issue in the public consciousness, but then there was a real, um, it had the the moment, you know, this sort of blue planet effect when it seemed to spring right to the forefront of the public consciousness and, and actually spur some action. Um, I think I, I think I'd probably agree if you're saying you know food waste is similar in that sense, in that everybody understands it's a bad thing and you know maybe tinkering a little bit. What what do you think it would take to for food waste to have a kind of blue planet type moment? Well, definitely as plastic is because people saw the effect that plastic has on the environment. Uh, and when they did see the pictures and the consequences, because it's all down, as we mentioned many times during this conversation, <clears throat> down to uh, raising awareness and educating people. And especially because when uh, people don't know the consequences that the food that ending up in landfill can cause to the environment, which are absolutely ridiculous and scary. But it's not something that people have uh, talked about and because there are waves of sustainability concerns. So we had plastic and now hopefully with food waste, um, there's going to be more education around um, the consequences that disposing of food waste uh, incorrectly has on the environment. Um, because, yeah, even in terms of uh, facilities that you have in the household, not everyone has access to food waste composting, um, which I think that is also part of something that the government should do educating people from the household on even the, the recycling facilities, um, how to recycle is quite recent and it differs from even in London, you can move from north to south and you have completely different recycling system. And not everyone has food waste, uh, which I believe is why now is becoming more popular because we're introducing also facilities to compost the food from your house. I think I think there's something around it um, being being such a big problem. It's very hard to visualize. You know, you, it's it's quite an abstract thing when people try to paint the picture. They talk about foot, you know sports stadiums full of rubbish and you know mountains of cabbages and all those sorts of things but it's, it's very hard to picture and I think perhaps with um maybe with Blue Planet it was um it was the fact that it was 
impossible to ignore that you know it was sort of mm-hmm. this this is is a very sort of visceral <laughs> like a gut punch kind of a thing you know it, it it affected people in that way and it's it sort of i think went from being an abstract so we shouldn't use plastic to like we must not we must yeah. not do this yeah and i just i, I, I just because you see the animals suffering i think that exactly yeah it, it was it was sort of a very tangible thing wasn't it yeah. and um it feels like the food food waste needs something something of that sort perhaps to to make it absolutely less abstract but also the the difference between food waste and plastic waste is there is still this very strong opinion and per, uh, perception by a lot of people that it doesn't really matter if your food ends up in landfill because it will just break down. It will just biodegrade because it's food. And therefore, mm-hmm. does it does it really matter? And this just shows that people really aren't that aware of, of, of the process. And yes, it will eventually break down, but it will break down and it will release greenhouse gases. And this is why we have things like anaerobic digestion, which tries to utilise it in you know, break it down and, and get some useful um, byproducts out of it. So I think we, that is the real difference just in, in the first place, getting people to understand why throwing food away isn't just an okay thing to do. And I think being able to visualise and see the effect that plastic has had on the ocean, we definitely need something like that with food waste, just so that people really start to understand that it's it's not okay that we're doing this and that we really do need to change what we're doing. Yeah, because in the same way, you kind of can show the effect that has on uh, the stress that adds on the supply chain, the demand for products that then they eventually will almost certainly end up uh, in the bin, like edible food. So although you might process the food and compost the food, it adds a lot of pressure on the supply chain. So... You kind of can picture that in the supply chain where the environment um, is exploited to produce food that it might not even be consumed at the end of the day. I think that's, that can be powerful. Like we said in the, in the beginning, we've touched on it a few times, you know, your, your focus is in this, in this uh, environment, this context is very much on prevention, you know, which is a different approach. You know, said so most of the most of the um, initiatives are more focused on recycling and redistribution and, and things kind of after the fact. I mean, why do you think oh, oh, prevention is overlooked in the way that it is? I think prevention is overlooked because it's the hardest thing to do. Um, hmm. What we have seen over the years in all different aspects is that a lot of our problems are our behaviour. So getting people to change what they're used to, what's comfortable, what's easy, is very, very difficult. Um, I mean, we can take one example from our our job at Linklaters where we were talking about reducing bread waste. And we were saying, you know, why are you cutting the crusts of the bread? You're not feeding children. Like everyone will eat the crust. And they're like, no, if you cut the crust off, it's not a finger sandwich. Um, and therefore, you, you know, we, we can't provide one of the key elements of one of our offerings. And I'm just like, 
but I don't understand why why this is an issue. We can just immediately stop all of that food waste by changing the way we currently do things. And there's just that resistance. And I think that that's, I mean, that's just one small example. But So so in that example, were the, the crusts that were being cut off, were they being used for breadcrumbs or turned into something? Or was, it, was that just in the bin? I believe it went straight in the bin. But it led to a conversation where we were talking about um, alternative routes. So, okay, like I just said, prevention is very difficult and getting people to change is very hard. So, okay, if you're not going to change, is there something else that we could do to stop that from then ending up in an aerobic digestion facility? So that then led us to talking about other solutions. So, I mean, the the classic one with bread would be something like toast ale, you know, where you send it to, mm-hmm. to become beer, which can then be drunk and obviously doesn't have the kind of, used by lifespan that the bread itself does i do they they were um a guest on the podcast a little while ago actually and they were a very interesting conversation to have you know about uh, but again like you say focused on the um dealing with waste that's already occurred it's it's uh yeah a, and uh sorry no sorry another big uh problem is the people have this massive fear of running out of food. Um, so it's hard yes, to prevent. Very, very timely kind of thing, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, so hopefully they're buying canned food so you can store it for a while. So no spoilage there. But um, yeah, it's like it can be hard to um, prevent food waste in some contexts because people have this fear of running out in like in terms of you're holding a meeting and you have a buffet and you might not have enough food for all your clients or, or your guests. So you kind of overproduce or you just make sure you can have more food if needed. So that's when preventing it's challenging and it might be that some companies might just say, well, we just dispose of it um, responsibly, but it's actually easier so they don't run out of food. But at the same time, they are sustainable because they are um, redistributing the food or recycling the food properly. I think you said, um, you know, if I, if I understand right, your, your first port of call, if you like, is to... Um, once you sort of just generally surveyed, had a look at the, you know, given the site and overview, is, is to start recording waste and sort of understand really where it's occurring. Do you, I mean, did you find, say, you know, focusing on link laters, did you find there were systems in place to record wastage? I mean, did, did, was there an understanding of where waste was happening already? in in that example yep absolutely um they had already identified one area that they themselves wanted to focus on to reduce food waste and they had been recording data for um well for, for nearly a year when we arrived so which is which is perfect because you you can't unless you record the data unless you get a baseline figure for how much you've been throwing away you have no idea if any initiatives that you bring in will make a difference so 
it was really great that they already had that and so we could go on and then we could suggest where they could use a similar sort of um, auditing and wastage recording tools um, in different parts of their business. So yeah, they already had that in place and that is one of the key things that we will be offering. And also because these um, these catering operations, they'll vary in, in terms of many different factors um, from site to site. One of the things that we'd like to offer is sort of the spoke wastage recording uh, tools and reporting templates. Mm-hmm. This is also with a little bit of a focus that in, well, I mean, we're in a funny time at the moment, but in the next couple of years, there's going to be an increased focus on everyone to reduce their food waste and there's a very strong possibility that it's going to go from voluntary targets to more um mandatory ones and therefore getting um getting a grip getting two grips with your food waste now and starting to measure it can only help when and if these things come along so once you've got your waste being recorded i mean was say in in the you know the case of this company that you were just with were they they were recording the data was is there the sort of the missing step um implementing a uh, an action plan of sorts you know sort of once okay now we, we understand where the waste is happening what are we going to do about it was was the data driving any change before you got there or was it was it really um just being collected i suppose i was because I've, I've seen that quite often you know it becomes a bit of a tick box mm-hmm. thing people are measuring you know weighing their stuff and there it is you know it's, it's all there and then nothing which is it's better than not doing it but then nothing changes if it doesn't uh you know if you don't actually try to affect some sort of change so were they were they trying to do things was it was it sort of ineffective or what was what was that like? So um, they were recording it, um, but we were brought in to help them understand what to do with the data that they were getting. So that that is it. We've we see this quite often. People do record data, and and it kind of is a tick in the box exercise. And you kind of do what you have to do to get your accreditation or whatever, and then. People either just don't know what to do with the data that they have. They don't know how to analyze it and draw out information from it or they just don't bother. So the fact that they brought us in and they got us to take it apart and look at pulling out the patterns and identifying where the problems were was really great because then we can put together a really tailored action plan and you need this sort of granular level detail to be able to make changes going forward. So yeah, they they were recording it, but brought us in to to kind of shine the light on where to go next. You know, I, th- I think one of the things that really um, helps, and I'm not I'm not sort of necessarily with food waste, but I imagine it's you know it's a good example of it is um, having kitchen teams and you know catering teams incentivized on in that area. You know, it's, I think quite often it can feel like um the head office you know is on board with it and it but it comes down as sort of a directive as just something else that they've got to do and it's it's sort of resented or resisted to a degree as just you know this is just another chore 
because they're busy you know they, they they've got to deliver a big service for all the all these sorts of people and this become you know you can see how it becomes just another another thing they have to do whereas if i think i think it's definitely a conversation to have with caterers you know if they're not doing it already but to actually incentivize their teams to you know have if they have a bonus scheme in place to have that partially tied to kpis around food waste or you know other sustainability measures then it becomes something that is not just it's not just a sort of a stick to be beaten with it's something that you actually might want to engage with for yourself i don't know if did, did you get any resistance from the kitchen teams or you know did they did they look at it in that way it's just something this is just something else <laughs> that we need to deal with well, I think the great thing is that both of us have a background in hospitality, so we can put ourselves in their shoes. And obviously, doing this, it becomes uh, other layers to the operations, and it can take time, especially when, as you said, you want to deliver this like outstanding service. This is something that might slow you down. So we did look at uh, engaging the staff and also, they already had a food waste champion in their team. Mm-hmm. Um, so staff engagement is definitely part of uh, the action plan that we did. And absolutely, the, the, in terms of resistance from the staff, uh, the only resistance is when they their, their work is being slowed down by doing... Uh, more steps and it, they can eventually then slow them down. But everyone is very aware, especially who's in the kitchen or what goes in the bin. And everyone feels that it's ridiculous that the amount of edible food, because they're the, one, the ones that see what goes in the bins and they are the ones that have to throw away the food. So they're very aware of what's going on. So the only resistance really is if makes their work kind of harder and slower and they can't deliver. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think all of these things, they have to be achieved, you know, without impacting the service itself. So, you know, they, I think, I think rightly during service, you know, they they focused on delivering the service, you know, and that's, that's sort of universal really engaging, isn't it? And no, no, this is also why we then um, kind of designed tools that were more fit for the purpose of uh, being a waiter, a waitress there, because so we had the chance to kind of test them with them and see whether this can make the operation more efficient and quicker, because not necessarily the tool that they had before were um, straightforward and easy to use and so this is something that we also did um, to kind of yeah make the operation more efficient and quicker from the uh, staff point of view kitchen staff point of view yeah I think in terms of resistance like no one ever can really turn around and say that it's fine that anyone is wasting food I think what we saw was that everyone has a different Um, kind of relationship with what food waste means to them so for the chefs you know it's 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 a labor of love it's a creative it it is a creative industry and so to spend all this time making all this food that you know they're proud of and they want to serve to people and see it come back and go in the bin just because 
I don't know, maybe there's just too much of it or it's 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 not because it's bad, it's just because there's so much going on, then that's really disheartening for them. So they very much want to tackle it and just to make sure that all the work that's being done sees a result. And the same with the front of house staff who are providing the service and they're asked to do extra work to look at the, the problem with food waste. They need to know that once they've gathered the data, they're making a difference and that it's not just, like you said, another task for them to do. And so, yeah, food waste has got a lot of different meanings to a lot of different people. And it's about also realizing that and getting the message, like tailoring your message to each of those different stakeholders. Absolutely. I, yeah, I, I interviewed one of the previous guests. I think he said, um, not quite how he put it. It was, uh, no, he said, you never, you never meet anybody who's pro food waste. That's yeah. that sort of thing, isn't it? And, and it's true. You don't, you know, but it's, but what that means is, you know, hugely varied, you know, there's many, as many meanings for that as there are people perhaps, but, um, I'm just interested maybe, you know, to talk a little bit, um, before we, before we end the conversation, but it, about yourselves, about the business and, you know, how, how things are going. This is a, you know, it's a new venture for you both, you know, a relatively young venture for you both. And I mean, how, how's it going so far? What, what have you learned? Well, yeah, we, we launched really about not even two months ago now. Um, I think, yeah, it's, if you asked me a week ago, I'd have said things were going really, really well. We've had so much support from people. We've had a lot of interest. We're talking to people. We're, we're trying to get meetings and things like that. Now, I, I mean, things are kind of slowing down, um, which is, of course, to be expected. Um, but we can only keep keep talking about things and, and trying to get the message across and hope that on, on the other side of, of this horrible situation that we've all found ourselves in, that we could get a renewed interest in food waste. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's awful what's going on, but I think we've already seen a huge change in people's attitude towards food. Um, and like we said earlier, this fear of running out, it really is a fear now. And, Hopefully, we may see a complete reduction in food waste in a very ironic sense of things. Um, uh, well, yeah, that would that would be a wonderful um, side effect of, of a pretty awful situation. But it, I think you're right. I mean, it's not you know, food waste as an issue is not going anywhere. Yeah. You know, even if our focus is a bit more on you know, businesses are a bit more focused on immediate survival. I think I think you know, this will be. Yeah the issue it ever was you know once things start easing up you know and getting back to normal yeah and uh, maybe what i working from home now will also affect companies a lot uh so i think we need to prepare for this potential new way of working that might then translate in having less customers on site uh, in companies and canteens and so we can also prepare for that. I I think it, I mean it's a, a sort of giant 
experiment really isn't it into working from home and i think a lot of people are going to um a lot of companies are going to discover that their productivity doesn't go down that you know actually this is fine and then you know if that happens then there's there's a fairly big conversation to have around how much you can you know whether you can justify paying the rent on a huge office in london yeah you know if you can if you can reduce it but you know we'll we'll see i think it'll take it'll take some time for those things you know for those effects to to really materialize but uh, we're going we're going to start just drawing things to a close and what i what, the way we tend to close these is um these interviews is just to ask a few sort of more general quick fire questions so it's sort of a bit more fun but uh, are you a happy to to answer a few if i throw them at you yeah go yeah yeah okay maybe we'll take it in turns i don't know who wants to go first alison okay alison first <laughs> uh in the context of food if i say success who do you think of and why Ooh. oh um wow well that's such a big field um it's hard to narrow it I mean, down sort of do you have a food a food hero i mean really anyone who comes to mind any anybody at all. well i think i mean my personal experience that Basically, last year I went and lived in Italy for a year studying food at a university that was founded by Carlo Petrini. Um, and maybe not a lot of people know who that is, but he was the is the founder of the slow food movement, which is all about trying to reconnect everybody with food and society. And as it says in the title, kind of slow the pace of life down. And yeah, he's he's had a huge impact across the world with um trying to tackle our what do you call it like a heightened consumerism for food so i i guess mm. i guess he's probably probably my hero because he's just uh went out and tackled something that he thought was a big problem and that's basically what kiara and i are trying to do now so yeah i would say that's probably probably my answer i think that's a that's a great answer. Yeah, and and you're right. I mean, I I didn't I didn't recognise the name, but obviously the slow food movement is something, you know, that's, that's got its own momentum and has has spread as you know as as a as an idea is quite embedded really in the consciousness, isn't it? Yeah. So that's a great great answer. Um, okay, Kiara, um, what is your favourite thing to do that has nothing to do with food? <laughs> oh. Wow. Um, I wish I had the other question now. <laughs> well, okay. Who is who is your... If, if I, no. in the context of food, if I say success, who do you think of and why? Um, Who's your food here? Oh, okay. Now, it might sound very um, weird, but as I always mention everywhere, um, my food hero is actually... My grandma, uh, my nonna. Okay. And mm-hmm. reason being is because I've I always been um, aware of environmental issues and I always wanted to make a change and everything. And then I think because I used to, she, I grew up with her and she really taught me how to appreciate food and how. Uh, like during the Second World War, for example, people used to struggle to have enough food on the table and 
how we are privileged to have the food we have on our table and how easy it is to access food nowadays that you can mm-hmm. then you can then have food waste so i always focus on other environmental issues but then when i moved abroad um I'm not saying that the UK wastes more food, but I think the culture is just slightly different in terms of how you relate with food. And so when I saw the amount of food that was edible and people were just like, oh, I had enough and it just goes in the bin, is when my hero reminded me, this is not okay, Uh, this is a privilege and you should be grateful that you are able to. so thanks to that and then many other events that then led me to uh, go to Lynn Peterson, meet uh, Alison. Um, she was my hero. Mm. No, that's a, that's a great answer too. I think there's, I've definitely heard, you know, lots of people have mentioned their um, grandparents, you know, more, more so than their parents, but as, you know, as an influence in that way, as a different sort of culture, isn't it? A sort of a, a cultural kind of um yeah. reference you know it was sort of just a way of being that it was you know i suppose because of the time they were living in and and uh things not being so freely available it's i think very good to be reminded of it in that sort of way and that's that's um Absolutely. we were all more sustainable back then and now like even like now with this uh horrible uh virus we are kind of becoming more environmental friendly because we're using less cars, uh, airplanes. And so Mm. it's like a throwback to, I don't know, the 30s. And Mm -hmm. um, where... I think um, maybe you could tell me, but I think, I mean, it's, I think there is, the impression I have of Italy is that there's a culture of, you know, sort of making do that has persisted a bit more maybe than the one we have here. Is it, there's a... um, do you call it, is it Aranjasi? Is that how you pronounce it? Where you just like wow, make, you know that, yeah. Just a, yeah, a way yeah. of making, using Aran- things, yeah. uh, sort of using using basic ingredients and presenting them beautifully. That's Is, is that correct? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. That's, um, yeah, that's great. This is what we always do. Like if you have waste from prepping, like this is something that is not, uh, there's so many re- recipes for using leftovers from like prepping a dish that then turn into another dish um so yeah and you don't waste anything at all and there's so many again recipes to uh use uh, the prepping and aram jersey is definitely something we do and okay fantastic um I think we're going to we're going to sort of wrap it up there I think. It would you I'll put links in the show notes, you know, the people listening now they can just they can click straight through to it, but would you like to um direct people anywhere? I don't know if you have you know sort of social media or if it's just the website. Where where do you want people to go from here? Um yeah, we've got Ooh, all the all the things. <laughs> we've got um, a great website that Kiara designed. It's the foodwasteproject.com. Um, and then you can also find us on LinkedIn. We've got links in our website to that. And we're also on Instagram. Is that right? 
and Twitter. And Twitter. With and Twitter. We are everywhere. <laughs> All over. Okay, well, people can find you wherever, and I will make sure that the links so that they can do that are are right here for the ones listening. Um, thank you very much for your time. It's been really, it's been great talking to you, and really. You know, really interesting, and I wish you all the best with the Food Waste Project. Great, thank you very oh, much no, for having us. Thank you, it's been great.